If you travel to Denver, Colorado, the Mile High City, you will find a Lutheran church about a half mile from the Colorado State Capitol. And the church looks like a traditional Gothic Revival church with stone carvings and stained glass. And it even includes the word saint in its title. But the rest of the name is anything but traditional because the entire name reads House for All Sinners and Saints. And it comments on the usual name of Lutheran and Episcopal churches whose founders named them All Saints. Hipster pastor and iconoclast Nadia Bowles Weber founded House for All Sinners and Saints in 2008. And I'll bet that she meant the name to provoke comment because the congregation's name includes a joke that reflects a certain edginess. The church's initials are H-F-A-S-S, House for Sinner, All Sinners and Saints. H-F-A-S-S. And they are pronounced half bleep. <laughs> Not gonna swear in the pulpit. And this half bleep is a cheeky invitation to people who do not feel welcome by traditional Christianity, which views profanity as antithetical to Christian holiness. But the name, House for All Sinners and Saints, does highlight a problematic dichotomy for progressive Christianity for us. Christianity has for centuries divided the world, and especially Christians, into two distinct categories. Saints on the one hand, which is then the dexterous or the dextral, meaning right, and sinners on the other, that is the sinister. And we know what the sinister conjures up. And the Gospel of Matthew, which we didn't read today, tells us that at the end of time, Jesus in the guise of a king will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. And he will tell those on his right hand, Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But he will tell those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So we have goats and sheep, cursed and blessed, sinners and saints. And if we follow the traditional model, we get stuck with a dichotomy, an either-or, with no room for in-between. So given this dichotomy, which will you pick for yourself? Saint or sinner? I'm sorry, I did it the other way. So yeah, saint or sinner. Saint or sinner. My, I'm doing stage right and stage left, so I'm getting confused. So saint or sinner? So which would you pick for yourself? Better yet, if you believe in the authority of the clergy, which Episcopalians do, which should Justin, Joe, or I pick for you? And I hope this highlights the limitations of a dichotomy like this. We flatten not only humanity as a whole, but our own lived experience into two artificial categories of basically then good and bad. An important part of our identity as Episcopalians tells us that we look at the world not through the lens of dichotomies, through either ors or black and whites, but through the more sophisticated optics of the via media, that things can be both and, in this case, both then saint and sinner. 
American writer Ambrose Bierce, a noted cynic, compiled the Devil's Dictionary, which revealed the depth of his skepticism. It's very dry and biting. And if you turn in the Devil's Dictionary to letter S, and you look at the definition for saint, he says this, a saint is a dead sinner revised and edited. <laughs> and when you think about this for a while, the definition does accurately describe the via media between saints and sinners. Not in the way that Pierce bitingly meant it, but rather than saints and sinners may not be separable terms. And just to be clear, following the via media, we do not end up with a muddy saint or a scrubbed sinner. We still have an ardent sinner and perhaps a reluctant saint. And these saint and sinner then exist in tension within each of us. And I think we can go out on the street corner and find and spot a sinner right away from his or her behavior, but I think we have problems when we start trying to define a saint. What does it mean? And the Episcopal Church, in its simplest definition, tells us a saint is a witness for the Christian faith. That's all it says, a witness for the Christian faith. We do not have the same process of canonization that our friends in the Roman Catholic Church do with, uh, for example, needing to have evidence about miracles the saint performed. But for Episcopalians, along with Lutherans and Roman Catholics in the Western Church, Many of the people that we name as saints were extraordinary people, people who were martyred for their faith, like St. Peter, or people who lived lives of self-denial and exemplary service to others. Countless men and women did that. However, for Episcopalians, an equal or greater number of people we call saints were ordinary people living their lives in ways that, as the definition tells us, witnessed to the faith. One of my favorite people who fits this definition of an ordinary person is Dorothy Day. She was the founder of the Catholic Worker Movement in the first third of the 20th century, but she lived a checkered life. She had a child out of wedlock. She ran around the Lower East Side in New York City um, carousing, going to bars with names like the Hellhole, and drinking match, uh, shot for shot with playwright Eugene O'Neill, who was famous for his debauchery. And even after she became a devout Catholic, having been raised an Episcopalian and then fallen away during her uh, years of running around, she never lost her hard-bitten attitude and did not suffer fools one whit. Writing in a memoir, she observed following the words we heard in Luke's Gospel today, this turning of the other cheek, this inviting someone else to be a potential thief or murderer in order that we might grow in grace, how obnoxious. In that case, I'd rather be the striker than the meek one struck. These are hardly words of a shrinking violet who viewed the world through rose-colored glasses. She was a realist who did ordinary things to extraordinary ends. And what about sainthood? Well, she repeatedly said, do not call me a saint. I do not want to be dismissed that easily. Now that's the kind of saint I can get behind. Because we do dismiss many of the capital S saints 
as incorporeal being, otherworldly beings who, whose behavior or ideals we can never approach, let alone emulate. And then we dismiss them. And when we do, we conceive the celebration of All Saints Day by looking only in the rearview mirror at history. When in reality, All Saints has three time frames, certainly the past, but also the present, and looking forward to the future. Writing about his family's rediscovery of their Mexican heritage, particularly around the Day of the Dead, which Mexicans celebrate right now, between October the 30th and November the 2nd. John Paul Brammer, not a very Mexican name, but a Mexican man, writes, I have come to understand that this holy day is not about romanticizing the past or wishing we could bring those who have died back to life. The Day of the Dead instead asks us to consider that we exist in conversation with the people who came before us and the people who will come after us. It says the border between life and death, and every border we encounter in between is porous. The Day of the Dead asserts the joyful, joyful fluidity of being alive. And here we find the celebration of all saints stripped of its spurious sanctity. Remember Dorothy Day's words again, do not call me a saint because I do not want to be dismissed that easily. All saints in either its Anglo or Mexican guise ask us to do the same thing that Brammer tells us, to remember in converse, that we are in conversation with the saints who have come before us, that is, people witnessing their faith through their lives, by being people who strive to do that in the present, with hopes of continuing the great cloud of witnesses for the people who come after us, who will then do the same thing for the people coming after them. And we do all this as people who celebrate the gift of life that God has given us, all of life. So welcome, not to the house of all saints and sinners, but to the house of God's people, who are simultaneously faithful sinners and faithful saints, whom we also call the beloved of God. Amen.